You know, it should be just that simple. God tells Abram to go, saying simply, go to a place that I will show you. And Abram picks up and goes. It should be that simple, right? Because God said it, we know it must be in Abram's best interest, so he must just know this is the thing to do. Pick up all my stuff, all these other things, even some other near relatives of mine, just pick it all up at age 75 and just go because God said to go. It should be simple, but we all know that could not have been a simple thing to do. It certainly wouldn't be simple, I don't think, for us to do something like that. We, we don't really choose what brand of toothpaste to use without reading a bunch of reviews about it first, maybe asking around, right? Some of us don't make any kind of major life decisions before talking to an accountant, maybe a lawyer, a doctor. I mean, I should have the kind of relationship with God where God might tell me today, go. Simply saying go and that I should pick up everything and move, even without clear directions. And I should have the relationship with God that I would actually do that, knowing that if God commands it, I should do it. But I don't think I would. <laughs> it's not that I don't trust or believe at all. It's just complicated. And that's been our theme as we make our way through Lent, this idea about our relationship with God, our relationship with our neighbors, they always get complicated. Should be simple, but it never is. There's so many variables in our lives. How did they get that way? How did our lives get so complicated? Well, we hear this story in the Gospel of John that we have today, and we'll be hearing these uh, segments from the Gospel of John really for the rest of Lent on Sundays we hear, and the Gospel of John is different. It's always trying to teach us something. And so we heard today this conversation, this dialogue, a back and forth that Jesus has with Nicodemus. And really, a lot of our text going forward in Lent will be these conversations, dialogues, back and forth. So we'll see what we can learn. What is the Gospel of John trying to teach us? And so today, we can ask, what is the Gospel of John teaching us through this dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus? Now, I think there's a problem that we have to get past before we really hear what this gospel is telling us today because we have some baggage. And the baggage that we carry with us, I think, is that we tend, at least as modern North American Christians, if you grew up in the church, you probably see the word Pharisee and think, ooh, the bad guys, right? Because often Jesus has these back and forths with the Pharisees. 
And so it might be easy to think that they're kind of the enemy, right? It probably doesn't help, too, that there have just been years and years of kind of anti-Jewish prejudice as well that kind of makes us think, oh, that, you know, the Pharisees, the leader of the Jews, must be the bad guy, and Jesus is going to set him right. But if you read the text closely, that's not the role that Nicodemus is playing here. I think that's kind of stuff that we've brought with us. If you read Nicodemus in a way that Nicodemus is really asking questions in order to learn, I think it still makes sense. And we certainly know that Nicodemus does learn because throughout the Gospel of John, he appears a couple more times. And each time, he's kind of taking a step closer and closer to Jesus. At the end of the Gospel, Nicodemus actually assists the disciples in burying Jesus. So Nicodemus is learning, and hopefully we can be learning too. The back and forth in the gospel today is not meant to make fun of him or criticize him. It's meant to help us learn, just as Nicodemus learned. Nicodemus shows up to Jesus, and he comes at night. It's kind of a sign of starting the conversation in the concept, in the context of the world. For the Gospel of John, you know, the things that happen in the world, the flesh, in the darkness, they have not been illumined yet by God. And so Nicodemus shows up and says, admits, Rabbi, we know, he's talking to Jesus, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Nicodemus says, I can see that you have this relationship with God. Maybe Nicodemus realizes that Jesus has a relationship that seems to be much more simple than maybe his own relationship with God, because Jesus can do these things. He's clearly connected with God. And Jesus answers and says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. So Jesus kind of affirms what Nicodemus says, yes, I do have this relationship with God. In fact, you can't have it unless you are born from above. Now here's a real uh, tricky translation thing, and maybe I've talked about this before. In Greek, the language that this gospel is written in, the same word can mean above or again or anew. And so when we translate this text, we have to decide, what is Jesus saying? Is he saying you have to be born anew, born again, or born from above? Or is Jesus being really tricky and kind of meaning both? Nicodemus clearly seems to think it's the being born again, being born anew, because he is kind of astonished at what Jesus is saying. How can anyone do that? How can anyone be born after growing old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus is kind of going back and forth. I, I'm trying to picture them kind of like maybe a college professor and a student, and they're kind of engaging in this back and forth. 
And Nicodemus says, how can this, how can this be? Jesus is not simply talking about being born again, a second time, anew. Jesus is talking about being born from above, a different sense of being born. Being born not just in the sense of the flesh, but in, on God's terms. See, we get our actions, our work, kind of the stuff of the flesh, our accomplishments, the things that we do, the things that we have done, the things that we have, we get that stuff confused over and over again with our relationship with God. Part of why it gets so complicated. Jesus sees that Nicodemus has, has this misunderstanding. In fact, it's probably the reason for this whole conversation to clear up this misunderstanding. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. It's a different kind of birth. He says, what is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Jesus is saying that your relationship with God seeing the kingdom of God, being born from above, it's not based on the stuff of this world. In other words, you are not beloved because of what you do. That's hard for us to hear because our whole lives are organized around what we do, what we have, what we have accomplished. Now, of course, God has called us to do good things, right? To live righteously. Of course, as disciples, we are called to walk this narrow path, which can be difficult at times. This difficult task of living in the world, but not of the world. Of course, we are called to do that. Of course, we are held to the high standards of God's justice. We are. But what we do does not equal who we are, does not equal our relationship with God. What we have done, what we have left undone, does not define our relationship with the God above. This means your hard work does not get you into heaven. Coming to church, I recommend it, <laughs> but it does not get you into heaven. Neither does being polite or nice or respectful or having lots of money or not having lots of money or being busy or stressed out or being calm and aloof. None of that gets you into heaven. All of that stuff is real. It all matters in our lives. None of it saves you. Now, you don't remember being born. I don't think anyone, maybe there's a special case, but I'll bet you none of you remember being born. But I can assure you, even though I wasn't there, that you did not help with your own birth 
It's not how it works, right? You did not cut your umbilical cord on the way out. You did not give your mother a pep talk or some friendly advice while she was birthing you, right? You did not do any of that stuff to help, to take matters into your own hands. You did not name yourself. Being born is, has nothing to do with your control of the situation. You were born and you simply were. Our relationship with God is like that. That's why Jesus says we must be born from above. We always want to take our relationship with God into our own hands. We keep trying to do it ourselves. We keep trying to earn it. We keep trying to kind of make ourselves, remake ourselves in this new image. But God says you must be born from above. It has nothing to do with what you've done or not done. It has to do with God. God loved first. Something has to happen first before you are born that you have no control over. And God loved us first. And God called each of us to be beloved children of God before we did anything to make it or break it. God loved us first. Our relationship with God is complicated because we try and make it about us. But it's this simple. God so loved this complicated world that God sent Jesus to be our neighbor, to be our friend, to be our Savior, and to be our Lord before we did anything to deserve it, to earn it. God sent Jesus not to condemn the world, but to save this complicated world, to give it life. Like Abram, we are blessed to be a blessing. We are loved so that we would love. Amen.